0: Just waiting for some files to appear. So how is everybody today? You guys have a good Christmas break? Yeah? Everyone's back in the swing of things? Not yet? Wait an hour or so? Two hours or so? Alright, so, as you can see, I taught the class in 2005, 6, 9, 10, 12, and now in 14. So this will be time number 6. It's gotten a little better every year, right? Let's find out. We'll soon find out. Um, I'm waiting for the syllabus to show up, but you all got a copy. Okay. So all we're going to do today is talk about the syllabus, talk about me, talk about you a little bit, and what we're going to do in the class, so it'll be an easy start, and then we'll start digging into the material on um, uh, on Wednesday. Um, my name is Robert Froze. For those of you, a few of you know me, a few of you have seen me, a few of you will not want to see me again after this semester, a few of you are my students and already regret having to see me again. Uh, I also, so I'm a faculty member here in the school. Uh, I've been here since 2003. I was hired into the position that was vacant when Dave Reed was promoted to vice president for research. So my official title was, um, there it is. My official title was uh, biometrics. Um, My research background, well let's say my professional background uh, I'm a forester by training. I, I'm from Canada originally, from Western Canada. You'll hear a few Canadian words slip in here occasionally. I'll try and make fun of that. <clears throat> um, I, was, I grew up in Vancouver. I went to UBC. You guys know of UBC? Good school, great place to get a forestry or natural resources degree. I did a bachelor's there in resources management, so very applied degree like our foresters would take here in this school. And I did my master's. My, technically, my master's degree was an MF. You guys might not know this. Most of you are, from, are in this unit. But if you do a master's degree here, it turns out that there's no requirement that the degree name that you actually get at the end have anything to do with what you did while you were here. So if you'd like, the very last form you submit when you pick your major, if you're doing like, I don't know, ecology of nematodes or something, you can pick molecular genetics and biotechnology if you'd like. We found that out, it's just somebody did it by accident once, but anyway. The same thing was true at UBC. So technically my master's degree is a master of forestry, but it was a science-based, thesis-based degree. So don't think that I didn't write a master's thesis if you read it. And then I went to Idaho uh, where I did my PhD in forestry, wildlife, and range sciences. I was the last student before they changed their name to natural resources. And uh, I learned a lesson there, which was I was the first ever PhD student and my advisor was a new hire as an assistant professor, and I got this little book that said, How to Survive Graduate School. You ever gotten a book like that or looked them up? You guys gotta survive graduate school, so. One of the things the book said is, never be the first PhD student of a new faculty member because they have no idea what they're doing. And and the the other thing it said was, um, they'll often try to make themselves look good at your expense by making you look foolish, which never made sense to me because, don't I look good if my students look good? I mean, I look foolish, anyway. Uh, so I, I, I told that story the first time I taught this class when I think half the students were my first PhD students and they were, they were not too encouraged by that. <laughs> anyway, for my PhD work, I did mostly empirical modeling of tree growth response uh, using regression. So this is kind of a natural class for me to teach here. And I, some folks have asked, why do we teach regression in forest resources and environmental science when we have a perfectly capable statistics department on campus and I guess the answer to that question if you're wondering is that uh, it turns out that when you're hired into an academic position most of the time you get to teach whatever you want and this seemed like an easy thing to do so I picked it that's not entirely true but my when I was a master's student my advisor and um, my co-advisors both taught all the all the statistics classes were taught in the faculty of uh, forestry and so it seemed like a natural thing to do Uh, also since I've taught this class I get more and more students from down campus and so the idea is that this is applied regression analysis nobody who takes this class should be a major in PhD in statistics because I don't have a PhD in statistics so I'm certainly not the right person to train you to get a PhD in statistics but hopefully this class will be focused more on using regression in the kinds of environments and questions and environments that you guys encounter here in natural resources as students I have had students from uh, I've had a bunch of volcanology for some reason, There's those students end up here all the time, I'm not entirely sure why. Biology, anybody here from the biology department? Yeah, a couple of you guys. You look unhappy your advisor made you come up here, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> I had some students from biology, environmental, uh, engineering, uh, and so the hope is that we'll give you an experience um, that makes a little more sense than if you, were taking a class from someone who is used to training PhD students in math or statistics. And I've heard from my own students who've taken classes down the hill that that can be very burdensome, uh, particularly when the, you know, I've I said this when I, I took mathematical statistics. Uh, one of the challenges with statistics, I'm really excited about this textbook, by the way, one of the challenges about statistics is usually statistics is taught by statisticians. These are people who instead of going to the KBC on Friday, they actually like to do math problems on the board, you know, just stay late and, and prove the central limit theorem to themselves in reverse, in Latin, you know? just for fun, and I don't anybody here think that way? If you do, good for you, but I don't, and so the hope is that uh, we'll tackle the policy with some vocabulary that resonates a little more with your experience. Okay, so you know a little bit about me. Uh, You know where I'm from, what I've done. My office is room 175 in Horner Hall. I just moved, so my office is clean. You guys have a chance to come and actually find your way to my desk from the door. Uh, as you've already learned, I think I'm really funny, but I rarely am. I'm going to try really hard. My former students tell me I, I try to make too many witty anecdotes during class, and sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's distracting, so I'll try to keep it to an appropriate level. Um, so let's go through the syllabus. I don't have any designated office hours because I'm usually in my office. Uh, I have a habit of closing the door sometimes because I think, man, I've got to get some work done, but I always answer the door if people knock. So the effect of closing the door is I only discourage people who are too timid to knock. So so please don't be too timid to knock on my door if you're looking for me. Uh, Except if I'm like eating soup and I've spilled it on my shirt, I might not answer then. Uh, I'm I'm one of those email nuts and I carry my iPhone around so I'm available by instant message and so forth. So please avail yourselves of the opportunity to contact me. Um, I'll let you read the the course goals, but uh, really what... When I took uh, stats as a grad student at UBC, uh, my advisor said, you know, I'm not expecting that any of you come out of this class as masters of regression or analysis of variance or non-parametrics or whatever, uh, because that's not your degree program. But I do hope that uh, you have competency in the basics. And the second thing is that you know enough about this subject area, that you know when you're really in trouble and you should go find a statistician. So, by the, you might not have an answer to every problem. In you're you're not going to develop the ability to answer every problem in this class, but hopefully you'll develop the ability to know that's not right. I can't make sense of it in the textbook. I better go ask somebody in the math department or ask Robert. So, uh, we'll talk about basic regression techniques that you might uh, imply in your research. One of the challenges with this class with regression is that there are not very many problems that are solved with simple linear regression anymore. Most of them are solved with these complex nonlinear models estimated with maximum likelihood, with mixed effects, correlated error structures, and complicated sets of hypothesis tests that then you get, you finally get it all done, you defend your, your chapter, your, your dissertation, you send it to the journal, and they say, it looks like uh, uh, phishing, data mining. And so you, you have to start all over again. It's terribly frustrating. So we're gonna try and I, I caution you of that. I've had some experiences collaborating with people here and the, um, the ecology literature is, uh, is the most difficult to publish regression models in uh, because there's uh, some fairly famous guys, Burnham and Anderson, who published some books on uh, model testing and hierarchical model uh, investigations and they really don't like what are called fishing expeditions. The classic thing to do in regression is, I don't really understand anything, but I measured a lot. So I'm gonna throw it into my regression package, which says my response variable is a function of some number of predictors, and I'll just let the model, I'll just let the software figure out which predictors are significant, and then I'll write this great long paper talking about how I now know everything about plant community ecology in the Alpines of Nepal. And uh, of course, the problem there is that it's not very elegant just to let the software do the research for you, but it sure is fun, or easy anyway. Uh, And that you always have an alpha level probability of making a type one error, and they really don't like that. So these Burnham and Anderson folks, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later in the class, um, really don't like uh, model building using forward, backwards, or stepwise, or all possible combination regression. It's really interesting because I'm a forester by training, but I collaborated with Chris Webster on some ecology, Papers and we had a heck of a time getting them accepted. We solved it eventually. This doesn't appear to be a problem in the wildlife literature yet, despite the fact it started there. But the, the ecologists ecologists just really want me to hate them. I don't know why. But they're just every now and then there are these really snooty people that just can't common sense doesn't work with Oh, that was supposed to be funny. That, that <laughs> came off wrong, didn't it? Sorry. Forestry is just applied ecology in forests. So I'm an applied ecologist. That's what I used to say to my undergrads, anyway. All right, this year I'm switching to Canvas. You guys know how to use Canvas? Good, because I have no idea. I've just barely figured it out. I've got this thing loaded (coughs) up into Canvas. So we're going to switch to using Canvas just because it's easier for me. We're also going to do something brand new this year that's totally different, which is we're going to have two options for the class. The two options are the default option and the alternative option. Now, the default option is a standard graduate level applied statistics class. You're going to do some homework. Uh, you're going to have to give a presentation on a paper from the, the literature that you review. We're going to have a midterm and a final, and it adds up to 100%. Classic graduate class. Okay? The, presenta- the presentation, um, what I ask, and I've been doing this now for the last five years, five times I've taught the class, is I'm going to get you, you to choose a paper from the literature in your field that uses regression as the dominant analytical tool, or at least a key analytical tool, then I'm gonna get you to do a critique of the paper, put it together in a couple PowerPoint slides and share it with the class. The purpose for doing this is that it gives more of the applied to applied regression. It gives you the opportunity to take somebody else's analysis apart, which is useful because it tests whether you really think you know what you think you know, and it gives us the class broadly exposure to a wide variety of applications of regression uh, in a compact and efficient way. And uh, at first when I did this, it seemed like it was a cop-out because I get out of teaching about three lectures by having you guys talk instead. And I asked the students at the end of the class whether they thought it was valuable and they unanimously thought it was a really valuable exercise. So we're going to continue doing that. Um, And then we'll have a midterm and a final. Okay, the alternative option. So the idea with the alternative option, and I've described it in text on the second page, the deal with the alternative option is that this class is sometimes a challenge for me to teach because I get everything from uh, seniors, undergrads who are bright and ambitious and want to pick some extra stats classes up because they're thinking about going to grad school and why not get a leg up on everybody else. Great, fantastic, but not a lot of experience doing research and maybe ne- no, never taken a grad class, particularly in statistics all the way to folks who've taken every single statistics class on campus, they've defended their proposal, their ABD, but they're almost done, their defense is scheduled in April, and they're bored and they thought they'd pick up one more class before they leave, and they're extremely comfortable with statistics. And so pleasing, and then everybody in between, I don't know where you guys fall, but pleasing everybody all the time, what's that saying? You can please some of the people, no, all the people, none of the time, some of the people all the time, but anyway, whatever. So the idea is, if you fall into the second box, you've been here a while, you've collected a bunch of data, you're starting to do some analysis, you really don't want to take a midterm and a final, you really would like to work on your data analysis, then take option two. We'll do a a project, we'll work with your data, we'll write it up, and you don't take the final and the midterm instead. You still do the homework, because I do want you to get exposed to all the topics in the class, and you still do a presentation, which will be on your project. But the rest of your grade will be attached to the project activity. And what, I'm, what I'm asking for in the project is essentially taking a data set that maybe you've even started working on it. You've entered the data or you've, you've got a data set that your advisor has that they've wanted to analyze and write up. And you've started playing with it. And regression is a good tool for it. We'll take it. We'll write it up as a basically as a draft manuscript. And, uh, and that'll be... Uh, your grade. I expect most of you will be in the default option, because I don't want you to do this alternative option just because you hate exams, because this is in many ways more work, because it's certainly more work for me, and I want you to get your advisor's permission if you want to do this alternative option, because uh, I don't want to work with you extensively on a data set that, uh, and maybe give, take it in directions that are different from what your advisor had intended or distract you from working on something that's really important and you're like, nah, that's too hard I, and I don't really like emerald ash borers, I really want to do this instead and, uh, and end up in trouble. So if you're interested in that, I want you to think about it. Uh, this is not intended to be easier or harder. It's intended to be for folks that maybe feel like you've got lots of stats classes, you want to pick up regression, you've got some data you could analyze and we can you know kill two birds with one stone here with this, with this option, okay? Um, any questions on that? Sorry, I forget to ask if you got any questions. Yes, sir.
1: When would you like us to decide which option?
0: Well, we should get started pretty soon, so you know, kind of by the early part of February. Give you a few weeks. Think about it. Talk to your advisor when you have a chance. And uh, and I have I I didn't get time yet. I've got some write ups for these, but I'll give you a written up sort of outline for what I'd like to do for that. Okay. So early, somewhere in early part of February, I think. So that gives us, it take, we have to also spend some time on class material, you know, presumably you're here because you, have, you haven't taken a regression class before. So before we can analyze data with regression, we've got to get some basic skills down. But we don't want to start this in the beginning of April, unless you've got a lot done already. Uh, grading scheme, it's a little different from the Michigan Tech default. I've spread it out equally. I've never given a grade below a B, not because students, haven't really tried hard <laughs> but we try hard since you're all grad students or virtually all of your grad students and you need B's um, most of my grades are A's and A B's and the goal here as it is for everything I do and I've got it down in the in the basic rules thing is that I want you to get what you need out of this class I want you to be satisfied when you reach the end that you got what you wanted and so if you're first of all is if you're not getting what you need you got to talk to me and I have had students say you know what you're a great guy, but too many stories, let's talk. <laughs> Warning you. Anyway, I have to remember. I haven't taught since the end of April. I didn't, t- didn't teach in the fall, so it'll take me a while to get my, uh, uh, get my groove again. But, and, I, and I, this is written really more for the undergrads, but uh, I want you to get what you need from the class. So if you're not getting what you need, please talk to me about it. If I'm going too fast or too slow, too many Canadian words, um, too many stories, not enough stories, Messy handwriting on the blackboard. I do have a rule which is there's no point writing anything on the blackboard that you can't read. It's just a waste of time. So if you can't read it, say, Robert, slow down. Uh, So please, anything you need, um, please let me know. Okay, course outline. This is actually the outline from last year, but it roughly follows what's in the current textbook. The The textbook we're switching to this year is Applied Regression Modeling by Ian Pardo. I'm really excited about this textbook because I looked, I picked it up. I got it got mailed to me. I didn't even ask for a review copy, and then I got nagged for a year, asking if I'd review it. I finally reviewed it and went, "Wow, this is what I would write if I was writing a regression textbook." It it this guy thinks like me. In fact, maybe he's my my pen name. I wish I could get the money from the the you know royalties on the book. In fact, he lives in Nelson, British Columbia, where I lived when I did my master's work. It's just it's too coincidental. There's something about it. Although I think he did his PhD in in uh, Minnesota, so he's he's got he understands what Midwest winters are like. Um, this is this looks to be a fantastic textbook. It's written right at the level and the scope the scope that I would really like for this class. So I'm I'm really excited about that. It's very readable. Uh, it's not that expensive. Um, it avoids the, the the challenge with regression textbooks is that most of the ones i found are either very pure stats textbooks they are written for people who are doing degrees in statistics, or they're written for people who are doing degrees in engineering. And so all the examples in the textbook are like, what was one, like rocket propellant internal shear loading, things that really resonate with people in this building. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know yet about the examples in this, but I think the book is written so well. It doesn't focus on a lot of the theory and background. I don't think that's what you're here for. We'll give you just enough. <coughs> so you know when you're making a mistake. Uh, So I'm really excited about the textbook. Uh, I haven't, there's got to be some place. We're going to probably pull the homework problems from the text, but there's some data sets on the internet. I got to figure them out. Then there's all this stuff now. We get instructed as faculty that we want to keep our syllabi concise, but they have to include these six pages of important information. So I did print it out for you. I won't for my undergrads because it's too much paper. Permissible collaboration. You guys know this, or you should know this as grad students. Uh, you know as as maturing people, but um, there's a there 's a fine line between sometimes between uh, taking credit for other people 's work and taking credit for your own and this this all this stuff sounds really negative like it 's a you know legal sort of lecture on how to behave it 's all many common sense except for when you don 't aren 't exposed to it and you have the wrong idea so we 've got it in here anyway. Uh, I encourage you to to talk with each other and talk with me. It's always okay to sit down with other people and figure out how to do something as a group. You can even sit down and figure out how to solve all the homework problems as a group. Then you have to go over and actually write them up yourself. That's your piece, okay? You don't print out the group copy and then rewrite it in Canadian English, whatever. You go and you, So think about this because the goal, and I don't usually have to say too much to grad students, but the goal here is to learn this stuff. You don't learn it if you if you sit around and drink tea, let your um, somewhat more intelligent partner figure out the topics and then just copy it down and get an A and then you come back to see me next semester because you don't remember how to analyze your data. My undergrads do that all the time, um, but I don't think you guys will. So think about that. Um, so it's your own individual work. When in doubt, if so, if you don't think something belongs to you, then you need to give uh, credit for it. It's good to um, make that a habit. So university policy requires me to include these statements. This one is very important because it has to do with federal privacy rules. The university is going through quite a large initiative to work on assessment, and they want quantitative metrics. And when they say assessment, they mean we've got a goal. We want to create students who have information technology literacy. How are we going to test that goal? Well, we show the percentage of students that actually did their homework in R or something like that. So when they say we're going to use your work for assessment, this does not mean it's going to turnitin.com, we're going to take your actual homework and give it to somebody. It's that somebody might actually do something. <laughs> it's 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 stripped, it's not scary, it's stripped of any it's it's just bureaucratic stuff. Andrew Storer does it all, he fills out a report, says we we went into the field this many times, or we wrote, we wrote this many essays, therefore we're teaching literacy, or whatever, something like that. But that's required to put in there. Uh, Michigan Tech is also extremely serious about um, policies on misconduct and regulations involving discrimination, uh, diversity, uh, harassment, and equal opportunity. And uh, I encourage you to, uh, to read, go to this web link if you're interested in all of that. Um, it's, it's all taken extremely seriously. So if you have a problem, if you need a, an accommodation, uh, you just let somebody know and we'll take care of it. Um, what I do have a habit of being prejudiced towards people with long hair. Don't know why. I, I work really hard. Sorry, Mark. Sorry, Scott. Well, you're my own student, so I guess I'm prejudiced towards you for that too. Or, no, usually you're harder on your own students. I'm just kidding. I I, I treat everybody fairly, anyway. But if you have long hair, uh, I'll probably be happier when you're asking me questions. <laughs> Sorry, all the short-haired people. <laughs> you're out of luck. You know I'm joking, right? <laughs> I'm not funny, but I'm joking. But I'm joking. All right. Uh, I didn't, okay, I didn't bring up, well, let me bring up the uh, 5412, uh, so there's a companion class to this one, FW5412. And this is not a, um, I was about to say, this is not a serious class. <laughs> this, is, this is not intended to be a, okay, yeah, I know. Whatever, it's too small. Everything, I haven't used this computer in a while. Um, Where's Zoom here again? It's down here. <laughs> Maybe not that far. View, Zoom, page width. Let's try that. And we'll close that so we can see more of the page. Okay. You probably can't read it anyway. Regression in R. Uh, I've actually changed the course name for next time, but it didn't make it this time. But that's what it will be called. The idea with um, this class is that, well, let me step back for a second. You're going to need to use statistical software to, to do the homework in this class. Excel will not cut it. Uh, if you want to use some statistical software, you'll find installed on Michigan Tech computers will be SAS, I think. I don't know if SPSS are, is on there. Anybody used any, have you guys used any software before? Statistical software, what are you using? We
1: used SAS. SAS? It's on the
0: computers in the lab. Right. Any other packages you know that are on there? I think R should be on there. Uh, some folks around here like to use SPSS, uh, SPSS, even though they're not in the Department of SS but they still like to use it. You should use whatever software tool works for you. They're all good. Uh, Of course, the best one is R. Uh, The advantage that R has is that it's free, which means that when you leave here, my sister is a consulting uh, forester. Uh, She runs a business back in Canada. She has to buy SAS. It costs $15,000 for a license. And I think that's good for two years, and then you have to spend $15,000 for the next one. So um, she's so far got a version from when she was a grad student and she keeps backdating her computer so the license won't go out. So when she sends me emails, they all say they're coming from 1995. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a very effective solution. R is completely free. It's cross-platform. And I haven't checked, but there was a couple years ago, R actually went through the process to be certified by the National Institute of Health because in order to use R to analyze... Drug trial studies, it has to be certified by the NIH, and I believe R went through that process. And so, this is as good a software as any I have. I have a student of mine from four years ago did find something that we could only do in SAS and could not do in R. But this was fitting a nonlinear mixed effects hierarchical model with a cross-correlated error structure in a logistic regression environment with correlated predictors. It was very complicated. I don't. I made that up. But it was close to what we actually did. So. Uh, I encourage you to, to, uh, to play with R. The problem with all these software environments, you, go, you have a range from Excel where it's like, I don't know, there's an ad in here somewhere, some functions, um, to some software like JMP, which is point point click, menu-driven, software like SAS or R, which are script-based. You're going to have to write programs, which means you've got to learn the syntax, the programming language. There's no way around it. I think, I don't know, if, I haven't used SAS for so long. When I used SAS to get really nice graphics out of SAS was mind-bendingly difficult. Virtually everybody would take their data, analyze it in SAS, and then put it in sigma plot to generate graphics. Uh, R has some incredible graphics capabilities built in, very easy to do. I will do all the examples in this class that I work through will be done in R. That's just my preference. Uh, What I found is that most of my students elect to use R. You don't have to. Most elect to use R and then you and I spend a lot of time banging our heads against computer monitors until they're bloody, and somebody ought to get some credit for that. So I created a class, so you get credit for it. You don't have to take the class to come to the recitation, Uh, and if you can't come at that time, you can still use R. You can even sign up for the class if you want, and I'll help you the hour before or whatever, the hour after, whatever it is. It's there so you get credit with it. Personally, now, Didn't you take the, the programming class? Is this the class you took? Didn't you take that programming class last semester? No. No? It didn't get offered because we lost Tom. Or did somebody else offer it?
2: No, somebody else offered. I was just busy.
0: Okay. Did anybody take this class, the, pro, the scientific or statistical programming class they offered in the math department?
2: Premer
0: did. Premer did, that's right. Did he say good things about it? Yeah, he did. Did? Okay. There is a class that Tom Drummer, unfortunately we lost Tom Drummer last year, it was very sad and Tom was a fantastic instructor. Anybody take a class with him when he was here? Yeah? Did you like him? Yeah. Yeah. He was a great guy. Uh, There are some of us who don't mind coding. I've had some students who didn't like the idea, came here and fell in love with it, and I had some students who didn't like the idea, came here and absolutely left hating it. Could be my current students too, at least I'm not sure if Mike Primer, does he look, does he curse a lot when he's coding? Yeah, that's what I figured. That's why you're always wearing earplugs when you're in the lab. Uh, Anyway, I encourage you to play with R because it's free and and cross-platform. I use it on my Mac. You can get it for Windows. You can get it for any flavor of Linux that you would like, and it doesn't cost anything. Uh, In fact, uh, let's see. I've got it even here. In fact, I run a mirror for the uh, the CRAN uh, repository here on campus, and that's all I have to say about that. Yes? mirrors. Mirrors are... So people create repositories of software that you can download packages or things from. A mirror is literally just a copy of that repository, but located, distributed around the Internet. We don't really need mirrors for R because not that many people download packages, and so you don't, you know, you get a server gets overloaded, and if this, this the main R server is in Austria, I think. So there's about five or six mirrors in the U.S. They're fa- there's, R is compact. It takes moments, but it was fun. I had a web server. I wanted to figure out how to run a mirror, so I set it up.
2: Robert, will you be doing your examples in regular R, or do
0: you use R Studio? I use R Studio, but for me, it's just a script editor. Okay. So this, I will make all the scripts available for the examples in the class, and you can take them home and run them on whatever you want. Yeah, I was going to say I encourage you to explore R Studio. We'll talk about that on, on Thursday as well. But R Studio is an environment that allows you to interactively work with R. Um, did you have a question, Heller? No, uh, Michelle. Uh, no, not really. Not anymore. There used to be Max used to have a quartz graphical object, and that may still exist. Um, but the only difference would be sometimes how you create graphics. Okay, so even if we do
3: homework
0: on one computer at home, it'll
3: run
0: perfectly. It'll, it'll work exactly the same. Uh, the only difference was that there are some graphical interfaces that are available differently. Unix systems use software called X11 to draw graphics. R uses something called Quartz. Uh, Windows has their own. Most people when they make graphics and export them from R, at least I encourage people just to make PDFs out of them. And so the only difference would be if you've, if you've actually written a script where you've got the command in there to generate a PDF to actually create the f- figure on your hard drive, uh, you can also put in a Quartz which makes a window pop up in R. But it would not make a window pop up in Windows. But what I'm trying to, I should even stop again too because I'm trying to, I'm giving you the impression there is a difference when we're talking about a tiny little piece of functionality that you will never use. But I did find a difference for you. But it's a tiny little piece of functionality that you'll never use. SAS will do what you want. JMP will do what you want pretty much too. Um, The advantage to using scripting programs is that they... uh, They allow you to, they're self-documenting. When you write a code, when you write code. you Ever spent a lot of time processing data in Excel, and then you come back to it a month later, and you're like, how the hell did I do that? And you can't find the problem, and you gotta do it all over again, but then you think, I gotta write these steps down. You ever written down a whole bunch of steps for Excel? Well, if you do this in a scripting language, it's just all there. You need to, you save the script, you come back a month later, you just run it again. And some folks, the really nerdy folks, use software called LaTeX to generate their typeset documents, and then you can use the software called Sweeve, and there's an upgrade to it now, where you can basically embed your R code in your document, in your dissertation document, so when you compile the LaTeX, it compiles the R, everything runs automagically, out comes a PDF, and you get a degree right in the mail. Wouldn't you want that, Hey, eh? You'd have to spend a lot of time in a room with no lights on, staring at a screen. Uh, okay. Uh, I think that's what I wanted to say about that. Any questions? In, in 5412, I, I will spend some t- time introducing you to things. I find teaching programming to be one of the almost less fun than root canals, so I don't really teach R. I will get you some introductions, and then we, we sort of work through it together as we go through the class, and I find that the least painful way to learn how to do things. You get to homework problem, and you say, Robert, how do I do this? And I say, well, you want to use the t apply command, and then you go and do it, and rather than spending days just learning that. Any questions? Okay, what I wanted to also do today was have you say something back to me. So maybe, if you don't mind, if we could go around the room for a moment and you could just introduce yourself to me uh, and to the class. And What I'd like you to do, if you don't mind, is let me know um, who you're working with, Are you're doing a master's or a PhD? PhD, um, and what your experiences with stats classes and any other thoughts or questions you might have to share. Uh, and that's really just to get a sense of, of your guys' background and your interests and hopefully that helps me tailor the class a little bit and uh, also it makes you feel awkward for a few minutes so you know what it's like to stand here for the last 40 minutes. Uh, is that okay? Who wants to start? Okay, thank you.
1: Uh, I'm Alex Bales, I'm in biology, this is- second semester. I'm a master's student. Uh, working with Erica Hirsch-Green. She is a plant evolutionary ecologist, so uh, that's uh, what I'm working with. Her on. is basically studying, it's kind of ecological genetics. We look a lot at um, polyploidy. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, but I won't get into the details, because it takes a while to explain. But uh, um, So yeah, we, we're working on that, and
0: uh, what what stats uh, class did you take in the fall? You took
1: uh, it was fifty seven zero one. So the one Tom was going to teach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, How was that? It was good. It was grueling at first. Uh, right. I know that uh, the professor John Ding Dong. Yeah. She uh, she moved really quickly right off right. of the bat, and it was extremely hard to get you know the basics of right. stats again. Right. But we did um, you know simple regression, multiple regression, all right. Longhand you know, versions and then use um, SAS to do it, too. And right. It, it ended up being a really good course. We covered a lot of material, and I was pretty happy with it. Yeah. Good. in the first few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great. Who's next? Mark? Sure.
2: Um, Mark Juraik. I'm working with Dr. frozen and Dr. Berkey mm-hmm. on um, a really big blue wheels project. Um, we've got funding for about three years yet and uh, looking at taking uh, biomass on old abandoned farm fields and turning it into biofuels, um, playing with carbon that's already been released in the atmosphere instead of cracking the earth for even more of it, um, sucking the reason dry, or the grape dry. <coughs> um, I guess uh, as far as background, I've done SPSS, um, and I've worked with Excel, and I've worked with Minitab, I guess it's as good as SAS, but it's a lot more expensive. So I think we have a license very here. very user-friendly, yeah. user-friendly yeah. Um, and it's, it's an amazingly powerful program, but extremely expensive. Great. So looking forward to finding something that's a little bit cheaper for the future.
1: Great. I'm okay.
3: Okay. Sam Berger, and I'm co-advised by Evan King and Seagrush doing a soil decomposition study. Um, my experience with stats it's a little ancient. Um, it's been a long time, um, but in my undergrad I worked with SPSS. Right. Um, and a little bit this fall I did work to Sysstat a little bit, but I'm here to get better at R, for me and for both my advisors.
0: <laughs> 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 yes, I know Evan is a SAS guy, isn't <laughs> yeah. he? Is Sigrid a SAS person too? Uh, she
3: does assistat.
0: She does assistat. Okay. Yeah, Evan has been. You know, once you get a lot of experience with one package, it's hard to let yeah. go. So. I think now Molly Cavallari. Anybody working with Molly here? Yeah, Molly had a little student discussion group when I offered this class. I know, it was the year after or something. Where they were all going to learn R together, but it fell apart. She's asking you to do that again this year. You're going to teach her R? No. no. Okay. <laughs> well, why don't she go next? Um, I'm Alita Mao, and I'm working under Molly Cavallari, um,
1: I'm a master's student in my second semester, studying tree physiology um, in
3: canopies. And I did a little bit of R in undergrad, mainly Excel, and only had one stats class. Right, great, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm Grace Karuk. I'm a second semester master's student working under John Vucic, mm-hmm. studying moose foraging ecology and nutritional stress. And I took two basic statistical methods classes in undergrad, and my R work is also a bit ancient.
0: Right, right. So I helped, uh, John came to me once to ask, he had a student who was asking me a question, and they were solving linear regression by calculating sums of squares and using the solver in Excel. It was the neatest thing I'd seen in a long time, was really, really, really using the tool in a way it wasn't designed, but it was effective. It was very interesting, so yeah, thanks. So why don't you go next Um, I'm Patricia Spellman. I'm a PhD student
3: in civil engineering. Um, My research focuses on looking at climate and landscape variables and how they affect flood statistics. I'm pretty comfortable
1: with programming, uh, but again, like some of you, my
3: stats, it's a little ancient. I actually come from
1: geology, so geology is kind of a transition. Great, -hmm. great. Thank you. I'm working with Ron. Ah, okay. Great. Great. Go ahead.
4: Uh, I'm Jamie Olson from biology, working with Amy Margarelli on the -hmm. streaming geology thesis, second year. Um, My statistics background, I took the same class as Alex, but when Jeremy taught it,
0: Right. right. So, yeah. Good. Well, lucky. You're lucky. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great guy. Hey right.
3: um, I'm Norris and I'm actually a fourth year undergrad in applied ecology here in the department. Um, I think I probably win for the oldest statistics
0: <laughs> background. I had like an AP stats course four or
3: five years ago and then biometrics two years can, ago. Yeah. So we've got an like, interesting. <laughs> Good. I'm really looking forward
0: to having the knowledge not only to apply in the field when I graduate in the fall, but then for when I go back to grad school
4: in the year two. Great. Thanks. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, hi, I'm Scott I'm one of Robert's students. Um, I was originally interested in doing hydrology projects, but Robert has since converted me into interest in biomass and regional planning. <laughs> How'd that happen? Um, basically, I have I've I've a lot of experience with basic statistics. Um, most recent class I took was 571 with uh, Tom. Pretty good handle in Excel, and I've looked at R a few times. Um, but I'm very interested in learning um, additional platforms, methods for interpreting data, and really just forming a good basis to go on to spatial statistics, multivariate statistics, and time analysis in the future. Well, I'm from Ghana, and I'm working with Professor Benton. Uh, my PhD focuses on the selective logging, how the forest in Ghana, common as well as regeneration. I did some basic statistics in Ghana, and um, from where I'm coming from, Paris entirely new. And then uh, I think it's a platform for me to also learn. Tar- right. And uh, being an ecologist, apply regression as well in some of our uh, data. My supervisor, when I discussed it with him, he said uh, he did a C-start. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Um, um, to ask, advise me to take this R and sometimes teach him as well. Right, right. And also, I got encouraged from my roommate Adam Cobble. Mm-hmm. He uses R for most of his statistics. wonderful graphs, and I discussed it with him, and he said that's very good course.
0: Should, right, um, right. Well, Andy's. Other student uh, Mickey Jarvey took this class, and he's a he's a R guy too now. So we've converted a few, right. yeah, yeah. And a class he helped measure some poplars right. in the fall. So I I haven't quite converted him yet. I've converted a few anyway. Thank you for that, Michelle. My name is Michelle Sis, and
3: forestry. My advisors are Rod Rod Chimera and Zuberdas. Um, I they once gave me a sigma plot to try playing around with. and I was kind of lost, but I have had some exposure to all so I took a biometrics class, mm-hmm. um, but everything beyond that is probably <coughs> as fuzzy as my 240th birthday. Um, <laughs> I would say so my project would be um, the angle I'm working on biofuels and looking at biochemical cycles within the soil. I think my concentration is pretty much in the soil. Um, and to that extent we're hoping to probably use a modeling called DASIN and um, or it's possibly forest. I'm not sure exactly where the direction is, but it's going to be a model that kind of looks at both the biochemical cycles and has a link to the above ground world. So, um, and looking both in natural forest systems and then plantations. So, it's going to be kind of scary,
0: I think. <laughs> you have a lot to do, is what you're saying, yeah. that you don't know how to start I was, on yet.
3: I'm not sure I was all yeah. Here,
0: but yeah. I'm
3: hoping that this class will at least be able to get a ground of how somewhat. Once I do learn the inputs of the model, like
4: how the basic structures of, of one are the best way to go about looking at those different systems. Great. Great. My name is Colin. Um, I work on the same project as Michelle on the higher or the bioenergy project in the My focus is uh, biodiversity, so I look at birds and insects and ecosystem services that they provide. So looking at pest management or pollination and how that might be impacted by different management of plantation systems natural
0: you're working with David? Yeah, I work yeah. with David okay. and Chris Webster. Right, so right. My
4: advisors. Uh, David Plattsbuller and Chris Webster. Right. Um, I think my background is you know, like electronic kind of forestry biometrics course as an undergraduate and took a couple advanced courses um, for my master's. I'm kind of a an kind of oddball thinker on stats, and thing, so he sometimes has influenced me. And I promised my master's that I would do R, and that I just got too pressed with R, and so I admitted to doing mini-tab for my right. master's. Right. I'm also done with Sigma Plot. Community ecology, statistics. Great. With sort of the park service, they have a lot of plant data to work with. So mm-hmm. yeah. with Excel and access like, to
0: really comfortable database. Good. Do that Good. So there's I'm some. Move there's some neat plugins with R to uh, to actual database servers. So you can, if you start working with very large databases, you can do SQL and you can link directly into R. And then the new one we got recently was, oh, you can pull, you can pull. If you work in remote sensing at all, you can pull MODIS, pre-processed MODIS NDVI layers for the world anywhere you want. You can draw them straight, straight into R across the network with simple programming calls. I found that one recently, it was pretty cool. So there's linkages into almost anything you can do. And if you do work with big data sets, setting this stuff up in, in SQL servers and, and doing letting the databases do what they do really well is something I've wanted to learn for a long time. And I had a student that figured it out, and then she left. So those of you who are supposed to teach your advisors are, <laughs> Do it before you leave, <laughs> or or tell them that they have to pay for an extra semester for you to stay as a as a student just as a helper. So go go ahead.
1: Guys, my name is Rob. I'm a uh, master's student of the GIS uh, program. This is my first class. Thank you. Right. Um, working Great. with Ann Plain, she's a GIS guru. Um, my stats experience, I had a little bit of stats classes in my sociology range of my undergrad, but right. besides that. Right in. Great. Thanks. Matt Van Brinsman. doing my PhD with Tom Piper, who recently moved back to the motherland. <laughs> and uh, I'm a hydrologist by trade. And my last stats course was an undergrad in 2001. But I have an extensive knowledge of math class
0: right. for my master's. Right. Great. You can do a lot of programming in MATLAB, can't you? It's, yeah. It's all programming.
1: Yeah. I banged my head against the
0: computer like, <laughs> 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 I have a dent somewhere in here, anyway. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. My
3: I'm also part of the Anne McLean Club. The last time I took a stats class was your undergrad. So mostly been doing a lot of Excel stuff. And the one time they used R was helping a whole bunch of undergrads use it. And it was a disaster. So I'm looking forward to using it properly.
0: When did you help undergrads use R? Um
3: always um, tried to have them use R
0: really that went well program. yeah okay it was a disaster, <laughs> it was, a disaster was it <laughs> i i actually the first time i taught biometrics here to the undergrads we did some regression in r it was a disaster so i i decided never to teach R to undergrads ever again those of you who took biometrics with me harang Wei is teaching it this year and i think i've talked him out of using r but we'll find out we'll find out <laughs> go ahead Which, which is testament to speaking the right language. So It, it, it took a geospatial person teaching you stats to speak at the language that made sense to you. Sorry, now I'm pointing. It's just a list of rude things I'm doing all day today. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks to all of you uh, for sharing that um, with me. It helps me get a better sense of what your backgrounds are and, and where, what, where and what I should do uh, in the class. Okay, we're going to leave it there. We'll, uh, we'll start on Wednesday. Uh, I'll do some review of basic stat stuff. I'm going to ask you guys, if those of you who don't have the textbook, I think you can rent it. You may be, able, may be one of those Amazon ones you can rent. Uh, I think it's an investment. Don't be shy about asking your advisors to buy you a textbook. If they say no, they're going to say no. <coughs> if they don't say no, then you don't have to buy it. Tell them you'll help them learn R. Because all the examples in here were graphics created in R. And I think you probably can get R scripts too. Uh, get started reading the first chapter in this book. There, by the way, there's a few I wanted to mention that too. We've got just a couple minutes. The back of this book, if you're really rusty, there's a, there's a section, Appendix D, a mathematics refresher. Uh, it's very just a couple pages. some pretty handy pieces there. There's a nice appendix on uh, formulas. Uh, notation formulas and some stuff on where to get help with computer software packages so don't forget the appendices as well. The introduction is also good for getting you oriented and it's actually good practical advice since I've said how excited I am about this book. If you read this book and you can understand how the author thinks you probably know how I think and so that's always a useful thing when you're working on a class. Alright, if you have any questions anytime any time about anything please don't hesitate to send me an email and we'll see you on Wednesday. Thanks.